Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller and this is a pro wrestling show. If you've never listened before, I want to welcome you with a kind heart and also to those who always tune in. I mean, technically you're more badass because you've been here longer, but the only way to get to that badass level is to keep listening. Uh, remember, the live show drops every Wednesday or sometimes Tuesday at 1pm BST. You can check that out on my YouTube channel at Simon Miller. Uh, just search that is the best way to do it on YouTube. And of course, all of this is supported by Patreon.com. For us, Simon Miller 316. We all know what Patreon is in 2019. So if you can throw a dollar into the bucket, it helps me no end. And there's loads of other tiers as well. You can come on the podcast, you can get a t-shirt, you can get a personalized message, a personalized podcast, uh, postcard. It's all up there. Uh, but today, what we do in our second episode of the week, we always do reach out to a Patreon to get them on because there's always a fascinating wrestling conversation to have. And today, I'm very happy to say, for the first time, is my man, Sean. Sean, how are we getting on today? Awesome. Doing great, Simon. Good, good. Good to have you on, man. All the way from America, which always pleases me, as we all know, because I'm just that guy that finds the world a crazy, crazy place. Now, uh, before we do get into the usual stuff we get into, we do have to talk about some kind of tragic and crazy news from nowhere. I imagine if anybody, uh, you know, was, was like me, you, you kind of woke up and you know, read it twice because you were like, how on earth? You know, how, how on earth is this a thing? But Ashley Mazzaro, who you may remember as a WWE wrestler, she competed with the WWE between 2008 and 2000, sorry, 2005 and 2008, passed away at age of 39. Uh, she was only 10 days away from her 40th birthday. Uh, she obviously, um, uh, she won the, the Diva Search in 2005. She had an 18-year-old daughter as well, just to give you some some kind of context about what happened and, and kind of even more strange. She, you know, she only tweeted 24 hours ago before this saying, you know, th- thanking people for, you know, sending her fan mail and she was meant to be part of Starcast 2. She was going to be doing some of the meet and greets. So no idea what's gone on here, but it's certainly one of those stories you wake up, you really just think, good grief. I mean, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on it, Sean, but it certainly shocked me. Yeah, it's completely shocking. Um, I hadn't heard about it until this morning, obviously. Um, I do fo- I follow her on um, on Instagram and a number of uh, other female wrestlers who they do a lot of shows. They did a lot of shows around WrestleMania here together. And I had remembered seeing last night someone saying, oh, we're missing you here in Vegas. Um Actually, so or maybe it was Atlantic City. I don't know. I guess there was one of the conventions going on. So she was on the on the convention circuit. I was actually kind of thinking, uh, looking forward to you know seeing some of that group of people at Starcast two this year. Yeah, no, I mean g- genuinely, uh, who on earth knows what happens? I'm sure it will come out in the days and and, and weeks that follow. But obviously, all our thoughts uh, to the, anyone associated with Ashley Mazzaro, friends, family. There's really not much else we can say about it at the moment because we just don't know other than the fact it was pretty crazy uh, and pretty unexpected. Um, so, yeah, rest in peace, I guess. Rest in peace. Resting has, the cra- has a crazy way of throwing these things out of you. And obviously, there was another story about this. There was some hoo-ha about Ric Flair yesterday saying that he had been rushed into the hospital too. As it turned out, I think it was just a, a pre-planned procedure. And he is still going to be at StarCast 2, which is good news. Kind of, you know, I don't think there's anything overly to worry about there. Other than the fact, of course, that Ric Flair is a 70-year-old man. Any kind of medical procedure is going to, come, is going to continue with it uh, with a little bit of risk. Anyway, we'll leave that where it is. There's not much else to say other than that we've already said 
So let's do what we always do. Sean, you come on the podcast for the first time. Uh, before we get talking about kind of the lay of the land in WWE and outside of it, talk to me about how you got into this crazy world of pro wrestling. I know you very graciously sent through some notes, which is good because I've been able to, you know, prepare myself, which I do enjoy. But yeah, dude, give me give me the four one one. How how is it that here we are, you know, well into our adulthood, and yet we're still watching this thing where people, you know, get dressed up in tight clothes and throw themselves around? Oh my god, yeah, I've been a wrestling fan since almost some of my earliest memories. Um, you know, I'm I'm in my late 40s, so been a fan for a while. My earliest uh, fan favorites, you know, I, I love Chief J Strongbow. I remember dancing around as a little kid, beating up stuffed animals with a big chop, uh, <laughs> you know, while watching, you know, Saturday morning television. So wrestling on Saturday morning had been a huge part of me growing up, you know. Jimmy Snuka, um, I remember the Wild Samoans. I even remember the the tag team of Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson winning oh, the titles that, on yeah. television, which was one of the o- the only title changes I ever saw on television when I was a little kid. And I still remember that. Um, you know, growing up, you know, uh, in the in the early '80s, loved Hulk Hogan. I mean, that was a big, huge part of my life too. And I got to see Hulk Hogan fight Brutus the Barber Beefcake at Madison Square Garden. And it still is the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life watching Hulk Hogan come to the ring. That's awesome, dude. I mean, that, that I mean, you know, Hulk Hogan at Madison Square Garden is, you know, especially during that era, you know, sort of the height of Hulkamania. That must have been something else, dude. I mean, that's, yeah, you, you, you wouldn't even dream of something like that now. Yeah, I, I was trying to explain my oldest son is 14 about it because to him, Hulk Hogan is pretty hokey. And the network doesn't cover it well with their weird sound overs which I hate, you know, the fact that you can't watch Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik with a music with a weird overdub is is, is almost a crime to wrestling history. But I digress. Wow, that's not a big fan of the old stuff on the network with the weird overdub music because they don't pay for the music right. What was, you know, incredible. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard, that one, because I kind of get it to a certain degree. If you, if you, if you think that's a way to save money, that you'll do it. But yeah. Given how essential music and atmosphere and presentation is to, to WWE, it seems it seems nuts to me that you'd want to take that out of it from a retroactive point of view or a retrospective point of view. Because you do lose something. It's like if you ever watch the Chris Jericho uh, stuff in WCW, his music's changed and uh, who obviously anything with Hulk Hogan and the, the, the Jimi Hendrix Voodoo Child, that has changed. And you associate that so much, you know, memory-wise, it does suck a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that was the Eye of the Tiger time, and it wasn't even that long, like right after Rocky. I mean, those Eye of the Tiger, Hulk Hogan coming into MSG, that's that's wrestling. I mean, wrestling entrances are half of the show. I mean, as a little kid, especially when you were there was no such thing as Raw SmackDown. You didn't you always got stars versus jobbers you never heard of. It was the entrance that was big. I mean, the Road Warriors, I was explaining to my son, the Road Warriors entrance with Iron Man. That would be enough for me for weeks to see that on television. If I did. I mean, no, it's, it's, why do you think that has changed so much? I mean, because entrances are still important, but I would agree with you. I don't get as excited about entrances as I once did. It is when you go there live, because obviously you get that, that visceral reaction when your favorite comes out. But it's true, even on TV and pay-per-views, and even WrestleMania, where they do the grand, you know, the, the grand entrances, they don't feel as important as they once did. What do you put it down to? Because I don't really know. I just think it's maybe they're just a bit more cookie cutter these days. I hate that term, but 
you know, a lot of people have said that CFOs kind of write riffs as opposed to songs. I don't know. I, I don't know what the, uh, the the kind of consensus would be. I think that it's that that's just it. I think that on the independent side, it's still there, where where the wrestlers are choosing actual songs that may fit their style. I mean, I, there's in the WWE. I just I think that CFO has a formula. I mean, there's some weird ones too. Baron Corbin comes into cool rock and roll music. Like that doesn't make any sense. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Like I I love Baron Corbin's entrance music, but I don't think it fits his character. And I, I was always in the minority, and people get mad at me every time I say this. But hey ho, it's it's what I it's what I believe. Um, I never thought Bray Wyatt's really marred up with that character either. I thought it was a cool entrance, and I thought it worked sort of within the context you were seeing it. But then when he got into the ring and started cutting promos, like that's not the entrance music I want to hear from that guy. But I understand that I'm in the minority there. That it never won me over as much as it did with the other people. Yeah, his character has been has been an interesting one. I think it always kind of, I don't know, primed the pump, got you interested, but never paid off, I guess is the way I would feel him. You know, very much like, all right, this is interesting. But then it just never really, in the end, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess that was okay. Yeah, no, no, dude, I agree. And I, I would, I mean, pyrotechnics comes into that too. And given how much money they're um, they're making, I can't quite believe that, we haven't brought pyrotechnics back because I just think it's a great way to get fans back on side. And as we know, you know, at the moment, that's kind of uh, that's kind of the biggest the biggest thing that WWE needs to focus on at the moment. But if I sort of go through, uh, you know, what's going on in uh, so, so what entrances are happening right now? Didn't think we'd be talking about entrances today. But yeah, I can't think of any sort of. I used to like Finn Balor's in NXT, but that doesn't feel as cool anymore. Again, I like Baron Corbin's music, but his entrance, he just walks out. And I, again, I like Drew McIntyre's music, but he just walks out. I think we could probably have a bit more fun with that, you know, now you've said that. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen um, in the WWE a great entrance since the last one. The, the last ones I can think of were NXT. Um, Enzo and Cass, when I saw them at NXT Brooklyn the first time, and I had never seen them before. Went to that to see Finn Balor. Um, the crowd went insane. Yeah. And that was an entrance. Um, Bailey's entrance in NXT was huge. I haven't, I guess I saw it at WrestleMania, but WrestleMania entrances are tough because when you're in the building, the sound goes straight up. It just isn't very loud because it's not a building, it's an arena. So it's a whole different feel. Although those are very elaborate, they don't have the energy that a building would. Yeah, no, it's, true. It's, it's the same when you go and see. Um, like I, I try not to go to music gigs that are outside anymore because if you get a bad wind, it does just take all the you know all the music flies away, and you're like, oh, well, I can't really get into this because I don't have the yeah sort of that again that 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 natural instinctive reaction because it gets yeah it does it just flies away it flies away flies away the energy. I mean, I guess as far as great entrances, I think Cody has a great one with his song, but again, that song is is very fitting for his character so i yeah i think so. I, th- I think that's the key i think move although, although i do like some of the, i mean i do like i think even though it is just riffs repeated i do think seth Rollins's work i think kevin owens's works uh, i like yeah. sammy zane's a lot so there are yeah you know there are there, there are ones that, that stand out but i think you know like you've just said and i guess the crowd comes into it too if we were having hulk hogan madison square garden 
you know, old school pops, I'm sure that we'd love every single entrance because it would just tear right through you. Uh, but that must have been pretty cool, man. And I guess you were quite young as well, seeing Hulk Hogan come out of the garden in front of a, yeah, people going crazy. Yeah, I must have been in the in the 10, 11 year old oh, dude. age bracket. So that's so. just that's just the best, right? Yeah, no, I was definitely very lucky. Uh, very lucky to have seen some cool, cool wrestling. Well, yeah, because you've been to a couple of WrestleManias too, right? Including you went to this year's. I went to this year's. I went to. I've only been. To, I've been to two, and the both ones that were in New York, New Jersey. You know, the first one was the the Rock and Cena, and that was great to be at. Unfortunately, it was cold and drizzly, and that's one of the big memories I have. So yeah. that's kind of a kind of a tough one, being cold. Uh, and almost at the end of that one, I was thinking, please end because I'm cold. Well, that's the um, problem, right? That is yeah. the problem. You put somebody outside, you put a human being outside, and you get them wet and cold. And it doesn't matter what they're watching, they will get miserable before long because it's just the worst way to experience anything. Yep. And then the last one, it was just long, long. I mean, unfortunately, it was just too long. At the end, it was, you know, just ended. Uh, you know, even even you know, Triple H and Batista, it was good, but it was you're just tired and you're just please, just someone win. And, I think, yeah, I think, I think the general consensus is, but this is what scares me. Like, I don't, I don't, I imagine it was a success from a financial and social and all those point of views. And while I'm sure that you and I and other people that talk about this are probably part of the vocal minority, it's still, you know, it's still, I, I don't know. My point is what's going to happen in 2020, you know, when they go down to Florida, are they really going to cut it back to five hours? I'm not hundred percent sure they will do. I don't, I don't think they can. I mean, I think that un, it's just growing and there's editing is not a part of what the WWE does. They, you know, they're missing, I don't know, a person who's the, the head editor to say, okay, that's a good idea, but we'll do it next time. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm, yeah. And I don't know how, I don't know their revenue model. It would almost think that if they're putting six hours show five, six hours that they're losing money, but I guess they're not. I, I don't know. I mean, my worry with all of this, and this is something I was talking about with a friend earlier, is at the moment everything seems fine. I know that TV ratings are the problem, and we do have a dwindling audience. But it will, you know, these things do catch up to you. Like, we're only, you could argue to a certain, I know it's been diminishing each and every, every year, but you could kind of argue that going to three hours in terms of the raw audience, we're only kind of seeing the effects now, like what, seven, eight years on, whatever it is, because people just don't have the time or the inclination to watch three hours. So if we are doing that with WrestleMania 2, you've got to imagine there's a tipping point where people are like, I cannot sit down for WrestleMania live because I don't know when it's going to end and I'm going to assume it's going to be around seven hours. I may just kind of, like people do with Raw now, I'll just figure out what's going to happen and then pick the bits that I want to watch. Or at least that's the impression I get. I don't think you can do these things that, you know, again, maybe a small fan, part of the fan base now, but a very vocal and very passionate part of that, saying, look, I don't like this, please stop. And you're going, yeah, but we're making loads of money now. Because they are going to make loads of money until 2024 with all the TV deals and this and that and Saudi Arabia and all these, you know, controversial stuff. But in 2024, if nobody's watching, what the hell do they do then? Yeah, my concern with that more with their business model is at some point in the very near future, and I think we're starting to see it, um, they're going to be at the mercy of those networks. They'll be the network executives will be putting pressure on them. And I don't know if they're going to get better or worse. Or um, The WWE, I guess, historically has been pretty good when they have pressure. So that's 
that's good. You know, they've been forced to do better. But I don't know. Recently, when they're feeling rating, ratings pressure, some of the things that they're doing just almost doesn't make sense. More Baron Corbin. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Um, the, uh, they're, you know, they're doing something, which is cool. Like, I, I like to respect people who try, right? Trying, whether it works or not, is, is awesome. You know, give it a shot. Um, you know, some of the weirdest things in wrestling probably have been, you know, outside ideas or in anything in the world. You know, give it a shot. But, you know, for it to be that, you know, we're hearing that they're going to, that Baron Corbin is going to be Seth Rollins' next big opponent like that makes me wonder i i know no one likes him but no one likes him in the in the i'm bored and i don't care about you i don't like you not that i hate your guts and i want to see someone punch you in the face i think you have hit a nail on the head there i don't mind what they do massively as long as they're trying to do something different and this ties into everything, obviously, they said in December 2018 when they said, we've heard you and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I appreciated the sentiment, but really ever since then, nothing has changed. And that's what I don't really understand. Like, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting things to change, and they don't because, of course, it won't. And that's the real thing that I would like to... Again, I don't mind them failing. I really, really don't. I don't mind them pushing someone that doesn't work or all of these things. As long as when I turn on, I'm like, oh, I don't really know what's going to happen today. And I don't mean that in a let's swerve everyone all the time. I just mean like, oh, it's different. Such as the Firefly Funhouse, right? The Firefly Funhouse, whether you liked it or not, at least was like, well, I wonder which direction they're going to go here. And so far, I think they've done a pretty decent job. But when, again, in December, they've said, look, what we've got here is not working. And now we are in May, which is basically six months later. And... The idea is still to build around Baron Corbin. Again, I quite like Baron Corbin compared to what a lot of people do. But even I can say, well, at the moment, that's not the best strategy because it's not resonating with other people. So why don't we kind of not shelve Baron Corbin, but put Baron Corbin somewhere else and maybe take someone we don't expect and, you know, throw them at the top to see what they can do. And the, the, the fact that WWE seems so intent to not do that, that's when I start scratching my head just a little bit because I don't understand what they think is going to change. I don't know anybody that is massively excited about a Seth Rollins, Baron Corbin program. So when they do go at it, if indeed they do go in that direction, then what's next? Yeah, what does that build to? I mean, even if you were going to invest in, in Baron Corbin... I get I, maybe a faction. Um, I, I just don't understand him that much. I mean, I, I actually had thought that when they were blaming everything on him, it might be an interesting opportunity to, to have him turn and become a fan favorite. You know? Yeah. You blamed it all on me and now, or, or just take it the other way and just be a complete wild card. I hate the authority because they blame me for, you know, their own pro. They could have done something interesting with his character. And I, I think that's the problem with it. It's one dimensional. And then again, I keep going back to it, but the music and the ring attire are weird. The ring attire, I've kind of come round on only because I was watching old wrestling the other day and I saw IRS and I was like, well, I never had a problem with IRS. So maybe it kind of ties into other stuff. But you are right. It is a bit weird to see a dude wrestling in a suit. It's not. With, and with a massive amount of tattoos on his chest. Like it just is weird. Like yeah. I, I would get the corporate buttoned up IRS guy. But then the rest of Baron Corbinness is not. He was the wild wolf, no, the lone wolf, lone I, wolf corporate. I don't know. I just don't that. I just find that there's no depth in that character. No, there's not, and there's not depth in a lot of characters on WWE rosters right now. Yeah, like the, the classic, the classic sentences. Well, who is Baron Corbin? And I'd be like, I don't know. He's just a guy. 
and he used to be constable. <laughs> that's that's all I've got. And he wears a suit. Yep. That that's all I've got. I think that's a problem with a lot of them. I think we could increase and add depth to. Yeah, you know, far more. You know, that's what I would like to see. Uh, something else I want to talk about, obviously, you know, before we get too far away from it, is we never talk about Ring of Honor on this show, mostly because I watch Ring of Honor when I can, but there's so much, you know, resting on television, it's hard. And a lot of people that come on just don't want to talk about Ring of Honor. However, you actually have some interesting opinions of Ring of Honor being a fan because you went to Final Battle and G1 Supercard. I was at G1 Supercard too. But, dude, I would love to just have a brief conversation about Ring of Honor because they're, uh, in, su- they're, in, Honor. But they're in such an odd place right now because they do have a fan base like your good self. Their roster is pretty good. Like, it's not a bad roster by any stretch of the imagination, is it? And yet right now, not only do they feel like they've been left in the shadow of AEW, I, I know they're doing better business than Impact, but I see far more people talking about Impact than I do Ring of Honor, which I find kind of fascinating and weird. Ring of Honor is a very, uh, I think I could talk for a long time about them, but very interesting thing. Ring of Honor hooked me in maybe about a year and a half, two years ago, hooked me in big. I was going to all the Ring of Honor events in our area, which is mostly in Philadelphia. So probably four Ring of Honor events in a row. Um, you know, they hooked me in. I'm a huge, you know, now AEW fan, huge fan of the elite, the Bucks, which is what drew me in. Um, you know, started going to Ring of Honor shows, brought up my, my, my oldest son's a teenager. We would go to Philadelphia. I even took my whole family. So I have three kids. Uh, all four of us did a weekend in Philadelphia to see Ring of Honor on that, um, on that final battle weekend. So we saw final battle in New York city, took everyone to Philadelphia the next day to see the last of, uh, the being the elite guys there. Um, they had built a lot of great feuds. They have very good wrestlers. They bring in the um, the old ECW folks occasionally for the nostalgia pop. Good show, good characters, but that final the the final time that the uh, elite guys were there, they gave them a massive beatdown, which I get right. I, I understand they're leaving. They gotta they gotta put over the next guy. But the problem is is that they really missed, in my opinion, they missed the opportunity. So on that last night in Philadelphia. Um, you know, the, the being league guys came out and the four of them were going to have a, a, a going away match. And it was good because all the heels run in the Briscoes, uh, bully Ray coming in and just beat them down. And I get it. It makes a ton of sense to beat them down, but they beat them down for like a half hour and no one came out and saved them. So that show ended with the bad guys. Just killing the crowd. <laughs> and they never built a star. If they would have sent one of these new guys out just to clear the ring with a chair, it, they didn't even have to beat anyone up. Now they spent the last six months trying to build a star. Just a missed opportunity. Barry, trying to bury, I guess there was some bad blood and they buried those guys, but they didn't take the opportunity to use it. To, you know, they could have sent Juice Robinson out. He was there. Or, Jeff Cobb out or, you know, whoever they were thinking would be their next guys to, to fill in for those guys. And they just didn't. And they're still struggling. They, they can't, to me, they don't have a star. And their last two events have been pretty flat that I've seen. Who do you think should be the star? Or is there anybody that's passed through that has now left that they should have made a bigger deal of? And why why haven't they done that? Because obviously that's a criticism that's sometimes thrown at WWE as well. I know they have stars, but you know people say, oh, they don't feel like Roman, so they don't feel like Stone Cold Steve Austin or John Cena or, or, or The Rock. Like, what is... 
obviously I'm sure that you know Ring of Honor is doing things completely differently to WWE, but it seems odd to me that they don't have a face of the company. Or is that just because Ring of Honor was always meant to be a focus on the wrestling as opposed to anything else? Yeah, um, I just think they missed the. I just think they missed the window of opportunity. I think that I don't know if you ask me. I, I bet I think their feelings got hurt around AEW, and I think that kind of being negative to that or feeling like they weren't part of it, they they just weren't ready for it. They they could have. I mean, they have good. They have very good wrestlers. Juice Robinson is is a very interesting guy, and the crowd goes nuts for him, but. You know, not in the not in the same way. I think that they had the opportunity to pass the torch, and they didn't. And now it got dropped, and it takes a while to build it up. And I, they they, and they um they just aren't building that that next that next guy that um you know is going to be their next torch carrier. I mean, Jay Lethal is their champion, but he was part of the beatdown. He was one of the guys that got beat down, so he couldn't come out and make the save. Um. And I think that love Jay Lethal, but I don't think he's the one. I think he's, you know, the older generation that is probably building up the next guy. What well, I guess because I mean you are right. If somebody said to me, you know, who do you associate with Ring of Honor? I don't know what I would think. I, I don't think I have an answer. Like, I know Matt Taven, obviously Mike's girl, and Jay Lethal, and. Uh, Edgy Robinson pops up from time to time. There's a bunch of other guys, but there's no one I really affiliate with Ring of Honor. And that could have been true, especially now looking back. So I know guys like Ring of Honor, uh, Ring of Honor, Samoa Joe and CM Punk and, you know, those kind of guys have passed through there. But because they've gone and made their names bigger elsewhere, that's not who my brain associates them, associates them with. And I guess the other thing is now with AEW rising up, that could potentially hurt them even more. I mean, when AEW starts later in the year, or technically in a couple of weeks, are you still going to watch Ring of Honor? Or do you find yourself, you know, prioritizing it less and less because there's so much more wrestling to watch and they're not doing what they need to do? As soon as Marty Skrull goes, there's no reason for me to watch Ring of Honor. But that's crazy, right? Marty is is the big one. I mean, I'm a huge Marty fan. I met Marty. He's one of the nicest people. Um, with kids. Uh... But yeah, after that, I don't, I don't know what they'll have. I mean, it'll be something I'll, you know, let my DVR re- re- uh, record, and if I, you know, have a couple hours, and I might watch it. But I doubt I'll be going to the matches. In fact, I, you know, I, I, that's just an interesting thing to me how they had a me as a fan, a, a fan who paid a lot of money to go see their matches and was a regular to travel, you know, two three hours, and then just lost me. It's crazy, isn't it? Because I just don't know anybody that's watching Ring of Honor anymore. And if they are now chasing off kind of fans that, you know, are already... No, Flip Gordon. Flip Gordon. I mean, they're going to lose him probably to AEW when his contract up. Well, I imagine they're going to lose a lot of people. <laughs> and then you have to start looking at who they've actually got left. And I kind of felt that at the G1 Supercard as well. I don't know whether you felt the same, but to me, it felt like everybody was there to see... Um, what do you call it? Uh, New Japan. Oh and yeah, Ring I mean, of Honor you know, was. Well, yeah, Ring of Honor was kind of they're just they're not making a nuisance of themselves, but they didn't really feel as if they had the the backing of everybody. No, it, you could definitely feel the difference when they switched between those matches. Ring of Honor uh, was, I don't know the 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 undercard almost, even though it was mixed in of you know wanting to see the New Japan guys. They were a whole different level of star and action and. You just saw a different quality. What would you do 
How do you do it? I mean, AEW launches October, September, let's say. I know we've got double or nothing, but what, what, what? Because I know, you know, Sinclair, Black Ring of Honor, which are a pretty big backer, you make a lot of money, or they have a lot of money. So it's not like going to go out of business. Because the, the problem they have now is, is who's going to join Ring of Honor over AEW? Obviously, you have to have the want there to begin with. If AEW don't want you, you go looking for work elsewhere. But I would imagine if most people were presented with both choices and opportunities, they'd go for AEW because it feels fresh, exciting, and they're now on TNT. So is this, I'm not saying it's the end for Ring of Honor, but do you think they've kind of hit their ceiling? Yeah, I think they booked themselves into a niche. Uh, I think that, I mean, I don't know for sure, but my thought would be that at some point when Cody and the Bucks, before they launched this AEW thing, had been discussing that they wanted Ring of Honor to, to go bigger, go bigger, go bigger. I think Ring of Honor just didn't... I think they worked in their comfort zone and weren't ready to grow. And a bunch of guys said, you know... I want to try it then. We want to try big buildings. We want to go into big markets. And we're going to do it if you're not going to do it. And I think Ring of Honor got left behind. I think you're right. I think I think you're 100% correct. And I think it's kind of crazy because there was a time there where there was a lot of, of goodwill towards Ring of Honor. But they never really capitalized on it after their sort of super big stars went to WWE. I mean, that's what happened, right? They all went to yeah, WWE. They're also a very interesting uh, company in that I, I did go to one Ring of Honor event. Um, and I Ring of Honor is hot. Is, is that to be a fan of Ring of Honor, you have to you have to put in effort because the strangest thing, you have to watch their website to know when their events are coming near you. In this world of being in touch with your customer. I have to watch to see when they're going to be in Philadelphia to buy tickets. And there's been a show that I bought tickets to. I showed up. The, the first show I went to, lines around the corner. Tons of people, loaded, awesome. The next one I go to, it's kind of empty. And I don't understand. And I, even at the meet and greet, there weren't very many people. And I actually had been talking to Marty Scroll. I'm like, Marty, where is everybody? Really? What did he say? He said, I don't know. He goes, I don't know. We're going to have to see about that. And I think that he seemed a little sort of like, boy, they don't know how to promote. Great card. Awesome. I, I was got moved up to the front row because the building was empty. And it was a TV taping. So tons of good matches. And the action was awesome. The stars were all there. I mean, it was great to be one of those people because, you know, you got, I got to meet everybody. But they just don't promote. So there's something operationally wrong there, too. I don't know. Just there is something. Interesting, dude. Interesting. And the, the best thing about it is it's clear you, you're a fan. Do you know what I mean? I think that, that speaks volumes. You're not someone that's kind of watching from afar. You've got invested in it, but you just haven't got it out the other side, which is, yeah. uh, which is crazy. Okay, well, that's Ring of Honor. I don't even know what their plans are for the rest of the year, if I'm honest. Uh, that's more on me, I'm sure, than them. But again, they're just not a priority right now. Which it, which is nuts. So we'll have to see what they do. I mean, when we mentioned AEW. Uh, I know you went to All In and you're heading to Double or Nothing. I mean, just give. Me, I ask everybody that comes on here because I'm intrigued. Obviously, they announced their TNT deal officially on Wednesday. They're heading there for a couple of hours, either Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights. It's pretty cool, you know. The fact that if you're old like like me, I just like the fact that. It's the station WCW used to be on. I don't want it to be WCW. It's just a nice nostalgia thing for me to laugh at and go, oh, I remember all the hoo-ha, uh, and now they're back. But obviously, we now get to the point where 
you've got to you've got to give people what they want or at least you've got to make sure you, you're hitting the numbers and the statistics that you need to i think they're going to do it i think they're a bunch of really smart guys and i don't think they'd be getting into it if they didn't have a have a plan and you know some of the other news that came out is that um TNT is going to be paying for their production, uh, which is a lot of money when you do a live show. So they're certainly putting themselves in a very, very smart and a very, very secure position. But obviously now it's about, I mean, basically my thing is, what do we do with a two-hour TV show, a brand new two-hour TV show in 2019, to ensure it doesn't feel like WWE and that, you know, it manages to cultivate, cultivate a biggest audience. Because if it doesn't get the audience, then it's pointless anyway. doesn't matter how much you and I love it. If it doesn't sort of slowly move towards that, you know, million million figure mark, then, you know, less people will be interested, as we mentioned with WWE earlier as well. Yeah, I mean, that that's definitely my concern about the audience. Ha- have people just soured to wrestling overall? And regardless if it's good or bad, aren't going to give it a shot. I mean, I have a number of friends who are laps wrestling fans who are just not into it. You know, I, I have been looking for friends to go with me to go to AEW when it was in, uh, to go into all in when it was in Chicago, none of my friends wanted to go. So I just went. And again, with Vegas, you know, still not a lot of interest among the laps fans or the people who watch a little WWE. Um, and that's kind of a concern. I think that I do the same thing. I think the AEW guys are smart. And my my hope is that they can show that you can tell multiple interesting stories at the same time. That's what I think their niche is, that where they beat the WWE. And what they've shown with, with All In and what they've been able to do with being the elite is they can tell more than one story at the same time in different stories. I mean, I think that the original All In, that was the great thing about it. All the matches were very different, told a different story, and catered to, you know, it's the smorgasbord. I think the WWE almost tells one story, and that's why three hours is tough. If if three hours is all about what's going to happen because Baron Corbin jumps Seth Rollins in hour one, and that's the only real story going through three hours, it's almost like there's not enough going on. I think and I hope that AEW is able to carry five, six compelling stories at the same time, and can just keep you more engaged. Why did your friends want to come with you? Because there was a lot of buzz at the time. Like, why do you think they didn't want to make the trip? Yeah, I just don't think, that, I think that the buzz is with the hardcore wrestling fan. That's a very interesting, you, you, you say that, so they're laps fans, right? Laps fans. I mean, they're, they, you know, my, the, the thing, you know, they're people who come over, watch a WrestleMania for sure, pay-per-view type thing. They're not watching every week and, one of my other really good, really good, really good friends who was huge into wrestling. He has since kind of, you know, he's UFC and that's about it. Wrestling has kind of fallen off. And he was a big, big, you know, merch buyer. Yeah. Um, just is just not, you know, kind of burned him. What? I mean, I, you kind of touched on this as well, but I mean, I'm talking about your specific friendship group because everybody's different. Like, I know some people that are going to watch AEW. They won't go to shows at first, but they'll watch it because they want an alternative to WWE and this appeals to them. But in terms of your friends that you know well, again, the guy used to buy merch, so he was in. What does AEW have to do in order to get to, you know, to steal away two hours 
of his entertainment time. Because I understand when WWE says stupid things like, oh, we're not competing with AEW, we're competing with everybody, we're competing with sleep, we're competing with Fortnite. I actually do agree with them. Like, it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Attention spans in 2019 are a lot shorter, and you don't just get a wrestling fan. You know, a wrestling fan probably does want to play video games or do this and that. So what do they do, other than just sort of put on compelling television... What do they do? What, what do they do to ensure that they at least dip their toe in? Because that's the big thing. What I think a lot of people that used to watch wrestling will do is they'll watch at least one episode of AEW on Tuesday or Wednesday. And that may be all they give them. That may be all the time they're willing to give them. So within that two hours, they've got to ensure they put on such a good product or at least something that appeals to them that they'll come back. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially as we've just talked about, if you're trying to do long-term storylines. Because then you've got to make sure you get that balance right of, well... Here we are talking about things that have happened over the last six or eight weeks, but also ensuring that anybody that tunes in is enjoying it for what it is. And actually, despite a lot of the problems I have with it now, WWE did do that very well in the Attitude Era. Now, a lot of the stuff that would get you hooked was Shock TV, but Shock TV was very in in the late 90s. So, yeah, what do we do now in 2019 to get your friends back into into wrestling via AEW? Yeah, it's it's pretty hard. I think AEW is doing as best as they can. Being on a regular, uh, a more accessible network, hopefully, will be helpful to catch someone. You know, when they don't have anything to do, um, I think it's important to, for them to continue to market their product and get it out there. I, I think that if you watch it a little bit, you're gonna like it, or at least what I've seen before. Um, I'm even trying to think like how. How I got into it, um, you know, how that got on my radar a little bit. And I really think it was just uh, looking at some of the New Japan stuff and hearing, uh, you know, that watched a little New Japan when AJ Styles was there. But New Japan on television is not easy to follow. It's it just isn't. It's it's on weird times. It's not consistent. Um you know, had watched a few. And then when it was, when the the Bullet Club stuff started to become real popular, that's what hooked me in. So I think they just need to keep compelling stories and keeping it out there. And hopefully as 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 people promote it. And, you know, I with my friends, I, I invite them. I tell them they should watch this. So hopefully their own fans help with the social network. I think that's a big part of it too, the social network, the social buzz is the way things happen nowadays. Mm, yeah. So do you think do you think it's worth kind of AEW, you know, doing kind of what WWE does now and just throwing out clips and all that kind of stuff? You know what? I don't know if clips is it. I think that people care more about the characters. So I, I think what be what the what the uh what the guys do with being the elite is is a big thing, you know, coming out with something that's easy. And short and easy to consume, too. I think that might be the thing nowadays, you know, figuring out a way to make these things, cut them up into easily consumable pieces for people who might watch a YouTube video on their way to work or something and then get interested. I mean, and then and really buy into the show. When I think about it myself, that's kind of how I got into it. You know, a little bit on the Internet, little pieces. All right. Hey, I want to check this out more. So. And I think that those guys understand that. And yeah, I do too. Yeah. Can know that the new media, the way people consume, is that way. 
Yeah, absolutely. Dude, a- amen, brother. A- amen. I, uh, I I totally agree. They've also said they've got some surprises at Double or Nothing. What do uh, I mean? What do you want to see? CM Punk is the most obvious one. I very much doubt it. Uh, I think if you're going to have CM Punk, you wait until you have that TV deal because I oh think- yeah, and you do that in Chicago and yeah, exactly. Well, you, they've already, you know, they've already. Uh, this this is already a success. I mean, not necessarily on pay per view, but it's sold out and it's a show people are intrigued. You don't need to add to that card. And I, if someone said to me, "Do I think that CM Punk is going to come to AEW this year?" I would say no. Three, four years down the line, if it's established, maybe he just doesn't seem very interested. But what other surprise? Because Matt Jackson or Nick Jackson, I can't remember. One of them said they did have surprises for May twenty fifth, and I can't think of anybody that they could get in. Obviously, a surprise doesn't necessarily mean a wrestler. I mean, you, you're going to double or nothing. What do you want to see? Aside from good wrestling and obviously, you know, matches that make sense and wins and losses, what do you want to see from the show? When you leave, apart from going, oh, what a brilliant show, what kind of things do you think they need to do in order to sell their television deal in a few months' time? And the other, of course, the other thing, get people to come to their next show. Because this isn't like eight months between shows. We've got another one in a, in a month or two months or whenever it is. So we need to come up with an idea that gets people hooked. What is the hook other than what it's wrestling and that's what we do? Because that's my worry. My worry is we're doing a two-hour television show just because that's what we do. Okay, but let's make sure that within that we're getting something a bit different because I don't need another WWE. And I know that All Elite Wrestling knows that and Cody and the Bucks and Jericho and Omega and Cody Khan. I think they're well aware of that. I'm just talking as a fan. I'm still all right with WWE. I think it has massive problems and it needs to change as well. But I don't need more of that anywhere else either. Yeah, no, I don't need any more wrestling time to to invest. Uh, you know, I have to, you know, I, I don't even consume 205 Live at this point. Um, you know, as, as far as a surprise or, or someone, you know, I, I think, and I don't know, but if Dean Ambrose, Sean Moxley shows up, that would probably explode the house. And that might be the one, like, if you ask me what my... God is, I, I think that might be it. Um, you know, and have him show up for a run-in to set up the next feud on, on their next card. That would probably be, be be great. I don't think there are any other guys who are out there who would be even available. So yeah. something like that, I w- at, which would be good, but I would hate for them to fall into the, you know, taking the next WWE star and falling into the WCW you know, number one, we've seen that before. Number two, at some point, you can't pay everyone that much money, right? Like, at some point, you run out of money and, you know, that they are, you know have to have a good business model that is going to, you know, their business in the end, they need to make a profit. Um, and they can't just throw money at, at the next new talent because, or the next, not new talent, new talent's great, the next, you know, WWE sort of cast-off person. Um, they need to build their own. But... I mean, the first double, the first double or nothing card. That card was great the whole time. Like my joke is, I didn't know when to, you know, go to the bathroom. I was dying because I'm like, I can't leave my seat because I can't miss a second of this. Um, it was so, it was so compelling at the time. Well, I that was being in the building and the crowd was was awesome and the crowd was very smart and funny and interesting to be there too. So that's that's a part of it i don't know if it's as good on television as it was there um yeah but i don't know i think that if they can just continue to put on 
a good blend of storytelling. I think that that's their number one. That they that they've shown that they can do a blend of different. I think WWE is always and uh, and even Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor has a niche, and that niche is has always been you know solid wrestling matches. And even New Japan to a certain extent, they have that sports feeling and that big match build their long term story. I think that AEW's opportunity for a niche is a couple of compelling stories going on that are that are kind of different, you know. Absolutely. How do you see New Japan fitting into all of this as well? Because you know, there I wouldn't say the bubble has burst; it can never burst in Japan. But certainly over here, it's you know, it, 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 over here is the wrong word. Non-Eastern, we'll say West, whatever you want to call it. You know, obviously they're, they're having the G1 show in in Texas, which hasn't sold very well. And you know, I, having Chris Jericho go back there for Dominion, I know has helped um, New Japan World uh, World no end. But they're now in you know, AEW is now competition for them to do when it comes to entertainment, as we just talked about entertainment dollars or however you want to however you want to spin it. What's next for them as well? Because obviously they had a huge 2018 with people. Uh, wanting to check them out because of Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega and you know they, they did a real good job in kind of you know getting that audience in which Wrestle Kingdom a few months ago proved the, the amount of people that flew in for that show was huge but I feel like they're at a crossing point now as well if they want to double down and ensure they become a worldwide company they can't rest on their laurels either I think that they probably are waiting till the Ring of Honor deal opens up and they should just tie in with AEW the same way they were doing Ring of Honor and sharing talent and sharing um, resources and putting on shows together, but do it with AEW. I think that they could continue to grow. I think that unfortunately their partner in the U.S. right now is not a great partner. I mean, look at the G1. So you think that ties in? You think one of the reasons they're struggling is because Ring of Honor just isn't where they need to be and therefore New Japan struggles as well yeah i i think that that's their their model seems to be to have a u.s partner and you know partner with them rather than do it themselves how could they do it themselves maybe but i think that with the market pretty flooded right now it probably isn't a great time it's probably a good time to partner with someone and AEW would would make the most sense to share some talent and then on AEW main shows you know send over their stars and have their stars continue to build. I mean, that would be the best, you know, they, they have Japan and their expansion is probably more around their superstars, right? I mean, sell Okada shirts um, in the U.S. You know, my son has an Okada shirt um, and that might be their their target. And then I don't know what it looks like in five years, whether they, you know, try to do their own thing. But the smartest thing is probably to get a bigger partner. And hopefully that's AEW. And then with that, you know, get some of their stars on TNT. That sounds like a good plan to me, man. I I, I hope you're right. Uh, as we are coming up to sort of 10 minutes, we'd be uh, remiss if we didn't talk about Money in the Bank, which obviously airs in a couple of days. Uh, let's talk about it. I mean, we should mention as well, I, I didn't mention this on Wednesday because it happened afterwards. Obviously, uh, Alexa Bliss is no longer in the match. She suffered what is being described as a minor injury. So it doesn't sound like anything too, too, too much to worry about. However, she has been replaced by Nikki Cross, which I actually quite like. It's nice to see someone like Nikki Cross getting a... Uh, getting uh, involved given she hasn't been you know anywhere near Houston enough since she got moved around 
Are you excited about the show? Because the, the one big thing I'm definitely getting is that most people feel a little bit lackluster about this year's Money in the Bank, which I would argue is a good thing because last two years were really exciting and Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman cash-ins weren't exactly the best thing ever. Yeah, they really... The WWE has burned Money in the Bank a little bit because of the, the poor cash-ins. The Money in the Bank was one of my my favorite pay-per-views. I mean, it's 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 almost like, to a certain extent, a version of a draft in sports. It's the beginning of the next build, really, where you're going to know who the next big guy is. Whether it's, you know, okay, Braun Strowman, all right, he's got the big piece. He, he's really going to now be number one. And then it didn't happen. Or, okay, Baron Corbin has it. All right, he's kind of obscure. Kind of obscure is the right word. But, you know, okay, he's kind of a mid-carder. He's going to be the next, you know, whether he's uh, – no heel or face, he's the next guy. That'll be good, but it didn't happen. So I just hope the WWE can give it to someone that they're going to invest in and have an interesting story, whether it's a quick cash-in um, or someone's going to hold it for a while. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know who the right person would be. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see Ricochet on a ladder, uh, <laughs> but I doubt that they're going to give it to him. Um, and he doesn't need it. I mean... I almost think that it's better to, to give it to a heel because they're better at, um, you know, kind of the, the sleazy cash in. I even remember when CM Punk cashed in and he was a face. It was kind of weird. You know, he did do a cash in when someone was down. You're like, oh, is he going to be a bad guy now? Yeah, it's always yeah. weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, if they're maybe Drew McIntyre, although he doesn't seem to need it, but maybe it could be an interesting. Um, so I don't think a big guy needs it. I think it's kind of better to have the, you know, the the sleazy heel who's my, you know, an opportunistic guy. And I don't know, maybe Edge set the bar with that, that can never be taken away, you know, the opportunist. But you know, someone to walk around with the case. I think that Dolph Ziggler did a good job a couple years ago. Yeah, great. You know, walking yeah. around with that case and, and kind of very cocky. I have this case and when I use it, I'm going to be champ kind of thing. That might be kind of a way to do it, you know, fall back a little bit. And build up someone who, you know, isn't there right now into the next big heel and then do a program off of that. On the woman's side, I, I have no idea. No idea who would make a, a good, a good, an interesting uh, winner. Well, I've, uh, I, I've gone for, we'll just go through now. Give me your men's, and men's, your men's winner before we move on. Who would you pick? Because I... Mike, I, I kind of go twofold with this. I think they're either going to go crazy and give it to Ricochet and surprise us all, or they'll stick to their, their guns and give it to Drew McIntyre. Now, if somebody put a gun to my head, I'd go with Drew McIntyre. But I have this just, I sometimes get weird gut feelings with WWE, which are always wrong because I always slap myself afterwards, clearly. And I, I can see, a, a small part of me can see them giving it to Ricochet, but again, Drew would be my, my serious pick. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Ricochet would be the one who would be my, I'd love to see it. Um, I don't know what the, what he would do with it, though. I mean, it would probably be good for a quick passion for him. But, you know, I don't I don't know. Would it be Ricochet versus Seth? It wouldn't even be that compelling. Um, I think it, it pretty much has to be um, true. Yeah. And, and when it comes to the women, I'm, getting, I'm going it right out of left field. I think not only is Mandy Rose going to win it, because I'm still convinced that WWE are 
very high on her. I think she'll cash in too. I think Becky Lynch, we'll talk about all these three matches in one. I think Becky Lynch is going to beat Lacey Evans. She's then going to beat Charlotte, but she's so worn out. Uh, out comes uh, Mandy Rose and takes away her SmackDown title, which obviously allows her to stay on Raw, where she is officially dating Seth Rollins and maybe continue her program with Lacey Evans. I don't know how that would work, but it's WWE. So that's my crazy kind of three-way booking there. I just just the feeling that I've got. I could be completely wrong. I, I, I find both these matches quite hard to call. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that's a, a big opportunity is for someone to... Because Becky can finally can they can get one of the belts off her. She'll still look strong because she'll have beaten two people and just not able to beat the third person who cashes in on her. Um, I had thought that Alexa Bliss would probably, but now that she's injured, would have been my pick because she seems to be the one who um, I don't know. She has that 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 where you know she's very good at manipulating the system. Let's say uh, would have fit. So, yeah, I, I think that Mandy Rose is probably the next one for that. Um, you know, like Mandy Rose, I don't think she's the most awesome technical in the ring. But uh, I think it would be an interesting cash-in and then allow, uh, allow Becky to move. And, you know, I know we didn't talk about it, but I just I feel that Becky was kind of another big missed opportunity. They had such, such a massive wave of popularity and then weird overbooking just kind of took the steam out of WrestleMania. I think you're right, man. I think now we're kind of we're just sort of running on the fumes a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I was huge into Becky. But asked me, Bill, you know, a couple months ago, what was the best thing? I'm like, my God, Becky Lynch, like Becky, 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 in my house, Becky, Becky, Becky. And then it was kind of like, okay, what, what are you trying to mess it up? It was, that was the build-up to WrestleMania Mia. Are you trying to mess it up? I mean, if you want to have a, a triple threat, did you think three people in a match are better than two and it covers you for injuries? Awesome, but just it doesn't have to be all weird. I mean, it got, more, it got back a little bit with, the, with the, uh, the fight in the police cars, which was awesome and kind of reignited it. But I think they, they, they lost the steam on Becky a little bit. I think you. I think you're correct. I think you're correct. I don't think she's felt as exciting ever since WrestleMania was over. Yeah, I think a little bit that has to do with with. Um, I don't know. I think I think at some point for me, I was worried that they weren't going to give it to us. That they weren't going to give us Becky. It was like, all right, maybe you're not going to give us Becky holding the belt at the end of the show, which would be terrible. And that's really at the end of WrestleMania. At the end, it was just like, oh, please end this thing and let Becky hold the title so we could all scream and be happy and leave. And on the train go home. Yeah, but you, you have to capitalize on that, right? It's like, what's the first, what was the first thing that Stone Cold Steve Austin did when he won the belt? He walked out and he stole a title from Vince McMahon who was holding it. He was like, give me it. And we yeah. were off to the races. We didn't really have that with Becky. Uh, but hey, it's a different, it's a very, very different time. But no, I'd be inclined to agree. I also think that Becky Lynch character went through some strange evolution that i wasn't ready for where she kind of pushed the conor mcgregor a bit too much um I, I could be wrong but that was my again it just felt like she was trying to portray conor mcgregor i don't need that in my in my wrestling i just don't we've got conor mcgregor be becky lynch yeah yeah i think they it, it almost got a little too complicated you yes. had it just, yes. just ride the wave you have Yes, I, I totally agree. Uh, let's just go through the rest of the card quickly just to get your opinion and stuff. Obviously, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan versus the Usos on the pre-show. Uh, I didn't even realize this wasn't for the SmackDown titles until somebody told me after I'd already done a prediction videos for What Culture, which goes up today uh, or Friday, when it, depending on when you're listening to this. I think that given the fact that the titles aren't on the line, you just know they're going to give it to the Usos because, of course, they are. 
Yeah, uh, they've been showing strong with Rowan a lot, so it's probably an easy one to give. Um, don't completely understand why that's even there. No, <laughs> that makes two of us, man. Uh, Tony Nese versus Davari is our other pre-show match. Again, I like 205 Live, but nobody watches it. Uh, Tony Nese only won it at WrestleMania, therefore Tony Nese. Yeah, I think they got to keep it on Tony Nese. Um, 205 Live, great wrestling, zero story. Because <laughs> they don't care about it at all. Uh, where are we going next? Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio for the United States Championship. I can't call it, but I don't get back against Samoa Joe because I love him. And I also can see some bizarre angle where maybe Dominic gets involved and costs his dad by accident. And it's like, oh, you shouldn't have been here, so on and so forth. So man, I probably wouldn't do that with Rey Mysterio, but I still think that um, um, uh, Joe will win. Yeah, Joe's definitely got to win that one. I mean, they're, they're actually using Rey Mysterio exactly the way you should use someone like that, building up other folks. Um, I don't think it's the end of their feud. I think it's kind of definitely um, just another another level of it. I do worry a little bit that that they're making Samoa Joe be, like, really too rotten. Like, he's going to take someone's kid out. He already took, um, you know, did the wife thing with AJ. Um but you know, at least it's a, at least it's a story. At least it's a longer term story. Yeah. Can't knock them for that. Yeah, I like. Like, I think it's all right. I think it's okay. Um, the Miz versus Shane McMahon is still cage. Uh, kind of, I've, I've kind of grown a bit tired of this now. I, I'm I, tired of it. That's yeah. my exact word. I just don't care. No, no, I, I don't. But I think the Miz has to win. I don't think you can book sure my, uh, Shane McMahon. Sorry to win it again. I think that no, no, the Miz has got to move on. I mean, if you're going to be building the Miz, and, and again, they they might have killed the Miz's steam six months ago. The crowds were chanting for the Miz, even when he was a heel. Everyone was loving him. I think the TV show made uh, um, the Miz and Mrs. TV show shows him as a regular guy. You like him a lot. Yep, and he's a father now. Always helps. You know, he's kind of put his time in now. I think for a while he was reality star who doesn't deserve to be what he is. Now it's like this guy's been doing this for a while. And he's a funny, interesting guy from the TV show. But, like, he seems to be trapped in this feud. Let him move on. Yeah. No, I, I, amen, dude. And make sure he wins as well. Uh, oh, my money in the bank list just uh, just vanished off my screen. That was weird. Let me get <laughs> let me get it back up. There we go. Uh, Kobe Kingston versus Kevin Owens for the WWE Championship. I imagine Kobe Kingston will win, but I'm not completely adverse uh, to giving it to Kevin Owens and having Kofi chase. I think I, at the moment, given the way they're booking Kofi, I prefer him in the chase. Although I do think it would be too soon, but I would again, I'm not against it. Yeah, I think Kofi's gonna win. Um, I understand why they why they had to put Kevin Owens. I wish Kevin Owens had more of a run um, as a face. I think he's an interesting man of the people face, and that's just something I would have liked to see for a little while. I think we're kind of getting the same old same old Kevin Owens a little bit, um, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of did it did revert to task. Uh, we've done all the money in the bank stuff and the women's stuff, so let's just do the two the two quote unquote kind of main events, kind of not, which is um uh, sorry the, the one main event I should say Roman Reigns versus Elias. I don't care about Roman Reigns will win because of course he will. The end. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's nothing there. Uh, Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. Let's finish with that Universal Championship match. I can't see Seth Rollins losing, but I think this could be a brilliant, brilliant match, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, um, Seth Rollins is such an interesting character because I really like Seth Rollins, but I, there's just something that he's not been able to carry as the face of the company. Um, 
I, I think that I, I think Seth is going to win, but I do think that at some point they're going to want to put that belt on AJ to see if he could do what he did on SmackDown. Yeah. I, I think that, that might be an interesting opportunity. AJ is, is one of the best um, that I've seen. So I, I, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be Seth, but based upon the reaction, it may be a quick move over to AJ. AJ's, that's been AJ's story since WWE. Good match. Maybe he loses, but the crowd loves it, and then they're, they've got to put a title on him. I'd imagine that Seth Rollins wins, goes into a feud with Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre wins the Money in the Bank briefcase, and goes into a feud with AJ Styles. That would be my guess. That would, that would, be, that would be great. Uh, the bit AJ versus Drew, there's a lot there. Both guys can move. Obviously, AJ is great with a big guy. It just looks great. Um, and his moves fit that. That would be a, that would be compelling. I'd be interested in seeing. Well, the, the cool thing about Drew versus uh, AJ as well is proper heel, proper face, which we never get in WWE anymore, which I would be very, very happy about. I would enjoy it. Yeah, sometimes the, uh, you know, the old stories are the best. You know, the Romeo and Juliet's of the world, those kind of old-fashioned um, storylines are the ones that are the biggest payoff, right? There's why there's a reason why those keep coming around. No, I agree. Unless I hope that happens. I hope that happens. Uh, so that's Money in the Bank airs in a couple of the days. Uh, I hope everybody uh, enjoys it. And Sean, that brings us to our, our hour mark, which again always flies by. I like it. So the last few episodes have been uh, have been badass. So, dude, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. All right, it. no, thank you. I love talking wrestling. Love talking wrestling. Hell yeah, dude. No, and thank you for the Ring of Honor stuff as well. We don't again. We don't nearly talk about Ring of Honor enough, but I think we've just established why we don't. Yeah. So yeah, there's no there's no need to, to to overly focus on it. But look, dude, I want to thank you so much again for your patronage and your support. A, I just love chatting to wrestling fans anyway. But thank you so much for being a part of my little community. I really do appreciate it. No, no, love it. It's it's awesome. It's uh it's great to be a part of it. And the shows have been uh, awesome, awesome content. So and maybe I'll get to I'll say hello to you um, in a couple of weeks in Vegas. I'm not going, unfortunately, man. Oh no. Yeah, I think I think now there may be some late arrivals from what culture, but it's been so last minute. I think it, but we don't know. You never know. But at the moment, unfortunately, not. But we will see. Uh, I miss you guys at WrestleMania. It was just uh, too much wrestling that weekend on Monday. I had oh, to go yeah. to work at some point. Uh, <laughs> exactly, dude. That's just the way the nature of the beast. Uh, but thank you so much for everyone that does support through the Patreon again. Just Patreon.com forward slash Simon316, even $1 in the pot helps so much. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, just search for Simon Miller, that's the easiest way to do it. On Instagram and Twitter at Simon316, and I think that's all of it. I think that's that. Have great weekends, enjoy Money in the Bank, and I'll talk to you all again next week. Yeah.